This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. What are we talking about today? What are we talking about? So today's topic, this is a good one. Um, So we're talking about the ways that as we're working on this like healing process, um, we've, we've had a lot of conversation about awareness, how to start, you know, the first step of any of this process is becoming aware. And so far we focused kind of heavily on some of like the cognitive awareness around, you know, things like our triggers and our our history and, you know, difficult situations. But I think we were talking about, let's do a deep dive into some of the other ways that that awareness comes through, namely the body being a huge, huge communicator. And then also sometimes related, but sometimes in its own way, emotions themselves being uh, a way that the awareness comes through. Right. It definitely speaks to the way our culture conceptualizes the self. And I, you know, it's an unfortunate thing that our culture does, but I usually refer to it as the severed self where we're taught to pay attention to our physical body and we're aware of the mental body or we're aware of the, the psyche. We're aware of things going on and the misstep that I think many of us have when we get cultured around this mentality is the concept of that psyche does show up in the body, right? I think about children. This is where I think Mm -hmm. it is important for us to kind of talk about our childhood experience. It's this concept of as children, we are so vulnerable. We don't have the words Mm -hmm. to describe our psychological pain, right? So anxiety for probably many, many years is misunderstood in the body or misunderstood in the mind of the child. Right. So all they know to say to their mom is I feel sick or I feel like I'm gonna, you know, throw up or I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm shaky or whatever, you know, and they might not even be able to relate to that to anxiety. It just kind of shows up in that physical sense when it gets so intense and it shows up in the physical body and when we're children, we don't always get the language. We don't get access to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's similar to kind of your expertise, CA, when you do, you know, the parenting side of things and relating to your kid and the psyche. It's this idea of what we're doing and how we're talking about mm-hmm. that connection instead of the severing. Of self. We're talking about the connection Mm -hmm. and validation, the Mm -hmm. validation of our child's psychological pain. And so I'm using this in that childhood sense because we all have been children. We all remember what that felt like. And some of the listeners are parents. And regardless if you're a parent, it's about validation. It's really about validation. So when you sit there and you think about, do I validate? that this psychological pain is showing up for me in some way. Mm-hmm. Remember the old narratives carry mm-hmm. until they are deconstructed. So they are carried in our hands until they are deconstructed. <laughs> so what happens is you sit there and you're like, yeah, I have a stomach ache, whatever. I have a headache. Like I have a headache every day, like whatever. It doesn't matter. I, like it's, you know, I have a headache every day, you know? And it's like, okay, you have a headache every day, right? Are there times where the headache's worse? Are there times when the headache eases up? What is going on inside of the body, right? And you go to the neurological test and let me give a caveat here. Yeah, I know. There can be (laughs) physical problems. Please take care of your body and please do what you need to do to make sure some of these things are not actual, like other entities that are kind of coming at your body in some way. Okay. So, you know, 
harmful things that can be messing with your body. Okay. And let that being said, when you go to the neurological tests and when you go to do all of those different, you know, try all the different medications, nothing's working. And then they come up with this concept of it's most likely psychological. Pause for a second. When you hear psychological pain, just take a moment. Think about what is coming into your brain. Is it fake? Is it not as valid as if you almost wish you had a tumor in your head? You almost wish you got smacked and you had a TM. Like you almost wish it was related to something that you can tangibly hold and show on a document, mm-hmm. right? You wish that sometimes, right? It's what I hear from the uh, from the clients that are like the the victims of different types of abuse. He never touched me, but I wish he did. He never, she never hit me, but I wish she did because at least I would be able to hold it up and say that was a tangible thing. And so when I hear that concept of psychological pain and I ask you to pause, it's for a reason because for so many of us, immediate invalidation occurs. Immediate invalidation. Absolutely. Saying that psychological pain is just not as valid as if I got hit in the head with something. Well, and I mean- you have to ask yourself why, as soon as you ask yourself, why does that feel less valid to me? The answer is very clear and it comes to you very quickly. And it's because you were raised in a culture that has always perpetually invalidated. I mean, the phrase it's just in your head. It's all in your head. It's like, it's like a, it's like a normal phrase we hear in our culture all the time as a way to invalidate. That's the meaning of the, that's the meaning of that phrase. They say it to invalidate you and to get you to just suck it up and move on. Oh my gosh. Just stop thinking. It's just in your head. Just get out of your head and you'll be fine. And I like that you started this kind of like from the angle of thinking about it through the angle of children, because I think this is really important. Um, and you do not have to be a parent to, to understand this. In fact, it's fine. It's, it's completely, it's a completely irrelevant. Actually, if you're a parent or not, it's actually entirely irrelevant to understand this through the lens of the child, because as you said, we were all children once. And the thing is it was during that time of our life that all of our defaults got set into place, our psychological defaults, our neurological defaults. So everything with our nervous system and our body and our mind and the way that they either are connected or not connected, it, that all happened during our childhood. And that's why there's, you know, in certain conversations that are happening right now, there's kind of a lot of talk about healing your inner child and working with your inner child. And I think I've had people ask me this because I, this is a part of the type of work that I do. I've had people ask me this, like, I don't, I don't even know what that means. Like, who is my inner child? Like, I don't think I have one, you know? (laughs) And what's really interesting about that is it's because it's so much of your default that you are almost unaware of the fact that the ways that you are operating on a daily basis are things that were set in place in childhood. And like you said, until you look at it, and turn around and start deconstructing it and thinking about it and being mindful about those behaviors and habits and defaults. Um, it just is who you are. Oh, that's just how I am. This is just who I am. That's how I do things. Well, it's the way you are because that's how it developed throughout your youth. And we have options now to where we don't have to stick with those defaults if we don't want to. And that's what inner child work is about. People think it's like this other voice in your head or something like, oh, this like little kid's voice just starts talking in my head going, I'm mad. I am sad. And it's like, no, actually that's not what it's like psychologically in the mind. It's not like you hear some sort of other voice. It's just whatever is your like gut check, like default, the way that you like react naturally with no you know, implications, like just the way that you would think to react to a situation unless you've like mindfully done the work, that's your inner child. (laughs) Like that's just, that's just the way that you kind of like are structured to understand situations. And so when you're hit with some sort of stimulus, 
stimuli of any kind, psychological or emotional or even physical, you're going to have a way that you respond or react to it. And those are two different things. Responding and reacting are two different things. And that is going to come from if it's something you haven't mindfully thought about how to respond or react. Um, that's coming from those defaults that were set very, very, very early on in your life, very early on in your life. Um, otherwise, if you've taken the time to begin this sort of journey, that's where we get to come in as like our adult selves and actually start coming into place and going, okay, let's set into place systems and habits and methods to deal with this sort of stuff the way that I want to, Mm. you know, it's empowering. It's like, you get to empower yourself and say, I want to respond in these certain ways. And when you hear people saying things like, I don't know why I reacted like that. Like I just, I lost control again. That was probably your inner child. Like I'm trying to demystify that topic and that word, because I feel like it's very like mystical sounding to people, but it's really not a mystical thing at all. It's psychological. It's just Mm -hmm. whatever defaults got set into place during childhood are going to carry on until you address them. And some of them are fine, completely fine and good. And you could keep doing all of those things and others are not as functional as you would like them to be. Right. It's really, really hard work to identify the voice because like you said, the voice becomes blended with just the normalcy of our everyday life, you know? And so if I sit there and I say, well, what does that voice sound like? You know, people, half the time I hear people say, what are you, what are you asking me? <laughs> like, I don't know what you're asking me, you know? And, and that's what, and I think you're right. See, I think a lot of the times they envision, well, was some people must have this little child's voice in their head and they must have this concept of what it means, you know, but I think about what it means to do this work and what it means to bring awareness, you know, speaking to the topic, if we're talking about identifying the narrative that comes from, and in this case, it would be pain. Ask yourself, that's why I asked everyone right in the beginning to just pause and just ask yourself the narrative, the narratives, the themes, whatever immediately viscerally came to you when I said psychological pain or it's in your head, right? I mean, you're right. It was a weaponized statement and we can't even validly say it is in your head as a true statement without it being linked to a traumatic cultural narrative that came from that statement because it was used to weaponize. But if Mm -hmm. I looked at someone and I said, it is in your head and it is real and it is valid and it is painful and it is suffering Mm -hmm. and it is Mm -hmm. meaningful to hold. Mm -hmm. It's like that concept, right? We can go very, very ethereal here, but that concept of If something doesn't have a direct medication to alleviate that, is it real? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Whether or not it has an immediate psychopharmaceutical like mitigation, if it doesn't immediately have that, it absolutely can still be real, right? It absolutely can still be real. And that's why I think a lot of the awareness that comes through especially when we're talking about this kind of like default childhood self, whatever we want to call it. That's why it's not a voice is because in childhood, you don't have a voice either. Sometimes you really just were raised in an environment where you just literally were never allowed to talk or express. Um, Even families that weren't like super, you know, abusive or neglectful emotionally um, children still don't have the cognitive verbiage to express what they're going through. And so therefore there literally isn't language or a voice behind some of our defaults because it was just experiential. And that's what it's like when you're a child and your body is just going through things and you're just being inundated with life happening and life happening and life happening. And your body's just trying to make sense of it all Your nervous system. Your brain's trying to like analyze the data and like make up some sort of construct that makes it all make sense. And there's very little like words going on in the mind to like 
explain or make sense of any of it. It's just like happening. And you're just like along for the ride. And all of a sudden you get to adulthood and you're like, what just happened? It's like, you just got off a roller coaster and you have no idea. And you're just like completely dizzy trying to get your, your land legs back basically. Um, so that's why I think this is like, really, I like the angle that we're going at with this because it's time to start digging in now and doing that deep dive on like, what does it feel like in the body when your body starts communicating a particular awareness right. and how do we do the work to discover that within our own bodies? Cause I could sit here and literally tell you every example of what it's like in my body when I feel this feeling or that feeling or this feeling. And that's fine. And maybe examples are helpful and we can dive into some examples, but at the same time, it's like giving people the process is probably the most essential thing to do here because what happens inside my body might be different compared to somebody else's. Right. I think that's what the theme of this podcast tries to do so so effectively, we try to do this effectively for anyone who's listening is this concept of there are so many different methods to healing. But if I ask you to conceptualize your own relationship with a narrative, right? The narrative of psychological pain, what is your relationship with that? Is it immediate invalidation? Is it immediate shutdown, right? Wherever you go from there, it's almost like we're, we're working at the root. We're working at the stem of where that narrative goes and categorizes and then either shuts down or it's neglected or right. And like, if we don't have the skill set, it's us asking the, the catalyst of where this all turns into something else. Right. And so if we look at, you know, what CEO is saying, yes, we like to give examples because we want to have it feel as relevant as possible, but you're right. If I do give an example, it is not the example. It is a way for you to take it and autonomously ask the question, okay, well, my anxiety doesn't necessarily feel the same way when Jamie described it and mine is valid and it shows up wherever it needs to show up in my body. And I'm allowing wherever it shows up to be processed and navigated in my own terms. Right. So any examples that we give, obviously we're just giving you a little, you know, prelude to why it isn't you know, this gospel truth. It isn't this like has to be anchored to whatever we use as an example. That being said though, if we look at pain being a communicator. And so when I use pain, many times immediately people think of, you know, a sharp pain or something that happens to their physical body. But if you're here and you've made it to whatever episode we're on, um, this there is a deep psychological pain that we all have felt that we've all experienced, whether or not we have the terms, whether or not we have the tools or the skills to navigate. So mm-hmm. when I use pain, I'm using it in a sense of a collective, a collective experience of however that really showed up for you. So if we really think about pain as a communicator, right? Yes, pain can be very sharp. It can be very tumultuous. It can be really hard to navigate and hold. And to say that it doesn't serve a purpose to our body is to negate one of its primary functions. Truly, mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. I hear this a lot in the psyche or psychology world, which, which is like, we have to walk tenderly here. And I know that you'll get what I'm saying to say, but this concept of like, we are not trying to say yes, because you're, you went through so many painful things. You, you know, you're so strong and you know, this all, this was all for a purpose and all for the greater good. And for my religious folks, they say, God put you through that. And I, you know, like for all of these concepts of like what pain gets turned into, right. What we're not doing here is using that narrative to Mm -hmm. ask us to journey through this work, right? We're not, we're not saying, okay, it's all worth it. It's all valid, but we are looking at it as purpose. It has a purpose 
for mm-hmm. us to explore. It doesn't mean that you deserved it or yeah. someone drew you to that right. to strengthen you, right? It's that concept of like, yes, you can be stronger by doing this work. And I didn't want you to have to do the work. Exactly. I think what we're getting at here is that when we say that pain is like this, the essentiality aspect of pain is insofar as that it is a communicator the same way. And this is, this is why we're going to go back to the body because when the body experiences pain, it's communicating that something's not right. When you take a bite of a sandwich and have a shooting pain go through the back of your mouth, that's your body communicating to you. There's something wrong with your tooth or your gum or something. And you need to go get it looked at so you can get it healed so that you can continue eating sandwiches without shooting pain. And that's exactly the same thing that any amount of emotional or psychological pain is the same exact thing. It's communicating there's something here that needs to be healed Mm -hmm. because the way that this is happening is not healthy for my person. Mm -hmm. And we are holistic human beings. And, and we started off kind of talking about that, like severed self thing. The severing itself is an injury. Mm -hmm. We're meant to have all the parts of ourselves aligned and in communication with each other and fully connected at all times. Mm. And I'm not going to go too far down that tangent, but I just wanted to say that that's actually even an example of an injury that needs to be healed. That psychological and emotional pain is trying to communicate to us. So you have a conversation with a friend and they say something and it hurts you. It hurts your feelings or it like messes with your mind. And you're like, you're like in turmoil about it all day long, the turmoil or the pain or the sadness is communicating to you that whatever that friend said to you, there's a, there's an issue there that needs to be looked at. And maybe they did it by mistake. Maybe it was malicious either way. An injury has occurred and healing needs to take place. And that's why you're going to be feeling that pain and that's the process, right? So it's the same thing when the body's going to tell you there's something wrong. You have to go heal it so that the pain will stop. And that's kind of think of it that way, right? Like if that helps to revalidate the importance of listening to the pain that's going on, because when we talked about like, when you hear, Oh, psychological pain, your brain immediately invalidates This is me trying to revalidate you. That pain is so important and it's so valid and it is an important step of the healing process. It's the first step. It's like, Hey, something's wrong. Fix this, please. We don't like the way this feels. So it's the both and really. And this is why it's so hard to hold on to because when we have this conversation in small snippets, because we're both on social media, it isn't a conversation we can really use or really dive into in these small bits and pieces, because what gets missed a lot is when we have that conversation, you know, what basically the theme that just came out of CA, this concept gets blurred with, so you're saying that I needed this pain. Like I needed to have this pain. And I, I was like, someone willed this to make me stronger. Like I, I, I should be going through the pain. And it's like, well, no, it's, it's that you are going through the pain, right? Like the pain is there, right? Whether, right. right? The pain is there. The, the trauma is there. Okay. We're not sitting here and saying, we want to have you further dive, you know, get more and more morally injured. We do not want more and more injury to occur, but what we do need to pay attention to is that it actually is there. Mm-hmm. which means you do have to validate it, which means you do have to place it in a, in a, um, kind of like a elevation of importance in mm-hmm. your brain to hold. And I didn't want you to have to do this work. I didn't want you All to have it. to, I didn't want All you to have of to these do things it. are true. 
Right. And so that is why Mm -hmm. this is so important for everyone to hear, because there's a lot of conceptualization, especially in my, you know, specialty, which is, you know, recovery from toxic systems or toxic people. It's this concept of like, I do not want you to have to recover from a toxic system, from a toxic workplace or religion or family or friendship or partner. I don't want you to have to be put in this situation. And is this your story that we're working with? Right. And so it's not as though I'm putting you in a place of like, well, they put the trauma and you need to be responsible for your own. But genuinely it's that concept when you hear, I need to be responsible for my own healing and somebody put it on me. Mm -hmm. How dare you blame me Mm -hmm. and put the responsibility on me. Mm -hmm. And that, oh my God. No, this is big. This is that big. is so it's heavy. Hard. It's, it's heavy. It's very heavy. And I think anybody who is in this position listening to this right now, if you haven't taken time to sit with this feeling that we just brought up, take some time with that one because it's really important to pinpoint that and feel it and say it out loud. And um, for some of us, you know, like a rage ritual type of a thing is really important for that moment because it's so unjust and there's nothing to do about it because it's already done. The trauma has already happened to you and it was completely against your will. And now you just have to deal with it and it's not fair. And it's complete. It's so unjust that you could almost drive yourself crazy thinking about it because you just want to be like, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want to do with it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to do the work. I got other things to do. I got plans with my life. I got a spouse. I've got kids. I've got a career. I've got this. I've got that. I don't want to deal with the trauma. No, of course you don't. You shouldn't have to. It shouldn't have been put there. And it's so unfair. I mean, I just got chills because the way you describe that is it is kind of the stepping point forward of where you get to be autonomous instead of being held hostage by somebody else's narrative for your life, somebody else's vision for who you needed to be, somebody else's story for you, right? So if you think about like whoever it was or whatever system you came from or whatever whatever trauma you're holding, it's this concept of whoever was the catalyst for that gave you this like burden to hold and you're holding it. And you're like, I didn't, I don't want to hold this. Mm. I don't want to hold this. I didn't, I didn't want to get it. I didn't want it in the first place. And now it's in my hand. So what I say is the first step many times in our healing is to actually look at that, realize that it didn't even come from us. It's not our own voice. It's not our, it's not our self. It is a trauma brained, trauma informed self, right? And to hold it and say, I didn't want this. I didn't want these processes. I didn't want these thoughts. I didn't want these patterns. Mm. And to know that the first step in your autonomous journey to self, to that authenticity is to acknowledge that in order to get beyond this trauma, I need to hold it. I need to do this on my own terms. I need to direct the thoughts through my own lens, through my own healing, through my own pattern. So it's this concept of like, it is this very, very hard truth to healing, the hard pain of processing is this concept of like looking at what you're carrying. Mm -hmm. And instead of with like that concept of like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to notice it. I don't, I don't even, yeah, you're right. The injustice like that. It's not fair. It's not fair, right? It's not fair. Why do I have to carry around this? Like, why do Mm -hmm. I have to do the work? Why do I have Mm -hmm. to do the work? Mm -hmm. They didn't get it, right? Yep. Um, and, and that's the thing, that's what I'm going to say to you. You refer to it as a burden that was placed upon you. And what happens is that if you 
move through the process of unburdening, releasing yourself from that burden, what happens is whatever placed that there in the first place, whether that was individuals or a system or anything in between is they are going to feel threatened by that unburdening. Um, and so that's just, that's just to point that out. Um, and that is oftentimes what keeps a lot of people from starting that process is because it's almost like you can like inherently sense that and you realize that, okay, so I'm like carrying on to this burden. I'm holding on to this trauma. And it's almost as though continuing to hold on to it and carry on to it and like keep it to yourself is benefiting Mm. the people who put it there in the first place. It's for their sake. It's for their sake that you're like holding on to and trying to like hide it and pretend that it's not there because it certainly isn't protecting you or helping you in your life to, to hide it away and, and pretend that it's not there or continue to internally invalidate yourself, which is just an internalization of external voices that put that invalidation there in the first place. If you can keep up with that sentence. <laughs> um, so the thing is to take it out and shine a light on it and start unburdening it in the light of day is like really hard to, to let yourself do if, if you're brand new to the process. And then even if you're in the middle of the process, there's still pain points. Like I'm telling you, you and I've been doing this work for a long time. And I, there are still parts of my process that I'm like, but if I talk about that, or if I release that, or if I work on that part, then, and as soon as your brain does that, and you're trying to like protect something else or someone else or not rock a certain boat. That's that self-betrayal thing. It's like, you're preserving somebody else's comfort at the sake of your own. And it's really hard to continue to prioritize yourself. And I, I, you know, that's, it takes, it takes a lot to get to that point in your journey where you're like able to realize that and go, wait a minute. So me speaking my truth, me healing this pattern, me learning boundaries in a family that's never been allowed to have boundaries is not some sort of like me attacking them. It's, it's actually the natural consequence of their actions against me my entire life. Right. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of noticing that by taking that weight that you're carrying and holding on to it and addressing it that it is the first moment of you fully taking control of your healing and it not being manipulated by somebody else's narrative right so if you think about it why we get so defensive why we struggle when we're at family events or struggle when we're at you know certain workplaces or friend groups or whatever or certain church related things or something it's like why are we struggling why is there so much tension and it speaks to the main theme of this episode is like why is the tension there why is there constantly this feeling of like i'm not being heard i'm not being listened to i'm being invalidated there's this constant like oh my god jamie's being dramatic again oh you you made a big deal out of that racist joke it's like every time you feel this like visceral like there it is there's the invalidation. There's the moment to hold the weight of the trauma. That was basically a collection of this narrative, this trauma that was put upon you through kind of your entire life, depending on when this occurred, what you're doing is for the first time, you're the one calling the shots. You're the one who's saying, no, actually the entire time I felt this dissonance in my body. And for the first time, I'm holding space for it. And I'm learning a new way of interaction, interacting with this society, like sociological experience, right? Whatever that is, you know, if you go to the party and they all kind of mock somebody, right. I'm actually not going to laugh with you. Right. So now, so what you're doing is you're slowly showing up with skills. And this is why this links so well with like the narrative kind of where we're going when we're looking at like, um, unlearning, the trauma and like how that plays out in our everyday life. 
what we're looking at is you validating, taking seriously your own trauma is the journey to self-sovereignty. It is the journey of saying, no, your narrative doesn't hold over me. I will not comply to what you want me to show up in this world. Like, you know, if we're looking at a family narrative, right? Let's say, oh, well, we don't, sorry, we don't, you know, we don't have piercings in this family or we don't, we don't do this in the family or we don't cuss in the family or we don't do that. And it's like to actually hold strong, you may not, or even as the collective, the family may not. Mm -hmm. And I do. Mm -hmm. And I, and I engage in this and I do this and I, whatever. And it's that what you're doing is you're slowly showing up validating that your individual self is worth advocating for. And that whole like actual way it shows up in your body, you're slowly showing your body, hey, instead of having to hold this pain and have nothing, nowhere, nothing, like you have nothing to do with that. Like you don't know what to do with it, right? You're saying, I have a strategy now. Mm-hmm. Initially, it's super uncomfortable. <laughs> Initially, it's super uncomfortable. But it reminds me of that example of like when you throw out your shoulder mm-hmm. and the, the doctor says, listen, you're in a lot of pain. There is going to be a moment, a sharpness that we have to throw this back into alignment. Mm-hmm. And immediately you're going to start seeing results. You're going to start seeing re- re- like a relief of that pain. Yeah. So it's that moment of like <sighs> that interaction, that advocacy, that moment of yeah. saying, actually, I don't agree with you. Actually, you don't own my time or I am, mm-hmm. I am like noting kind of like what we were talking about, like a few episodes back of actually, I don't have to justify what I'm doing on Sunday. Mm. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it is going to be painful. It is the, it is the shoulder thing. It's the wrench. It's the, you know, and you're like sitting there and you're like, like, and then they have a reaction. They have a reaction. What are we going to do? And you're like, you're right. They are going to have a reaction because what they just saw is their narrative is slipping. Their narrative is slipping. The thing that they worked so hard to teach you to stay in line, to stay blended, to look at the family as this complete unit and you can't ever be an individual from it, that is slipping. That is slipping. So what we're going to do is we're going to do whatever we can do, manipulation-wise, psychologically-wise, whatever. We're going to activate, right? And we're going to try really hard to make sure that doesn't slip. Right. And this is where the discomfort comes in. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is why we're trying to link it to the main topic, which is this concept of like our healing is going to show up in those situations in our body. Yes. And we do need to do the work yes. of what that looks like. So I hear this a lot, CA. It's this concept of like, I keep having panic attacks when I go over to Blank and Blake's house, or I keep, mm-hmm. I have an entire, my entire day is thrown off when I go see them. And I go, Instead of looking at that as a fluke, right? We look at it as like, oh, so weird, right? And I sit there and I go, something inside of your psyche, whether or not it's conscious, subconscious, so deep within you Mm -hmm. needs to be held. Something needs to be processed. Something's trying to make itself known. Exactly. And I think that's like what I'm starting to hear through this, we've been talking about this topic for a while now. And I'm, what I'm hearing loud and clear is coming through is what needs to be unlearned within this topic is the invalidation that we consistently try to apply to those bodily communications that are coming through. That's what needs to be unlearned. When that bodily communication comes through, the pit in your stomach, the tightness in your chest, the tingling in the back of your neck, the tightness in your shoulders, whatever those like physical manifestations are for you in these situations, stop invalidating it. Listen to it. Take, even if it just starts with just, just listen to it for 10 seconds, 
tune into it for just 10 seconds, count to 10, tune into that feeling in your body and try to figure out what it's trying to communicate to you because it's always there for a reason. It is the body is so innately full of wisdom and it's consistently persistently trying to communicate to us and advocate for us. Like your body is such an ally to you. And I need you to hear that. Like, I need you to embrace your body and, and really accept it as the ally that it is, because even when your mind and your voice can sometimes betray you, your body is going to still go. Oh, and it's still going to like physically like do what it's going to do because it's like, okay, brain. Okay. Mouth, whatever you want, but I'm not okay with it. Like, and it's going to consistently try to show up for you and advocate for you and let you know, we're not okay with this. That hurt. We don't like this. Um, and so even if it just starts with the, like the simplicity of just taking 10 seconds to tune into whatever it is, is trying to be communicated. That's what needs to be unlearned is to invalid. The invalidation needs to be unlearned and that awareness, that tuning in is a validation process. And it's going, I believe that you have something valuable to communicate to me in this moment. That's what you're saying to your body. When you take a moment to just listen in and tune in is you're actually letting it be an ally and you're going, wow. Okay. I hear you. You have something to say there's something you want to say about this situation and that's valid. It's, it's very tough to hold space for something that you never were able to do. You never were able to do in the past. And what I mean is you were always able to but no one allowed you the time. No one allowed you the space. No one gave you the grace to move in that place, right? I hear it a lot. And believe me, we're both parents, me and CI. And so believe me, it is a very tricky road to walk when you're doing this with children. But this concept of like, even just phrases that you might need to hear yourself. So think about it. Like if we're talking to ourselves or we're talking to our kids, it would be like, you are safe. You are safe to feel this. This is painful. This is difficult. This is hard. Your pain is valid. Your tears are valid. Your anger is valid. Your anger is valid, right? It's, it brings us to this moment of, the destination it's, it's desperately trying to get us to arrive to is that emotional identification, that emotional navigation, the emotional regulation, right? Those are all different skill sets, but what we look at that and we say, you know, when I use the example anger, I'm not sure many of us have heard ever that our anger is valid right? It's like, because we hear these terms of anger means violence and violence is bad and badness is not, you know, whatever. And it's like this immediate linking. And I'm like, they're not, they're not immediately linked. Right. Actually, the lack of emotional regulation is what leads to the immediate linking of a behavior. And so if we sit there and we go, okay, body led, Body-led healing, if we're going to do that work, you don't always have to go body-led, but in this episode, we're teaching you like a a method of body-led. So if you go body-led, what you're going to do is you're going to let the body lead you to what is going on in your body. Then the the hope and the skill set to be developed is that the journey toward the pain links to an emotion. And then before a behavior occurs... You can sit with that emotion and you can say, wow, that emotion was so strong, right? I felt so much anger. I felt so much anger. It felt like my chest was burning, right? Okay. And 
at that moment, the entire skill set would be to just sit with the anger and say, you, as well as that burning, have a lesson to teach me. I want to sit with you. I want to understand you. I also want to validate and appreciate. I want to appreciate the anger because oh, I'm, I'm going to not remember. So if any of our listeners remember who this came from, it might be Brene Brown. I'm not sure, but it's this concept of anger is a protector. It wants to defend you. It is a valiant warrior of an emotion. And mm-hmm. so to look at my child and to realize that when they just got something really disturbing happening to them, like someone just smacked them for no reason and they come running to me and they're yelling, they're angry. And me looking at them and I'd be like, yeah, that's so, that is, makes so much sense. That makes so much sense because your whole body just got without any reason just steamrolled over and you didn't choose that to happen to you. And that is not, that is not just, that is not, that is not a, that is not something we want to dismiss, right? That's not something we want to dismiss. So it's this concept of like to even validate all emotion. We're not just saying, oh yeah, my anxiety is, you know, this is valid. No, we're seeing all, all of it. Mm -hmm. All of it is so important. Yeah. Anger is a good one um, because it can show up. Anger is the one that's like, you know, weirdly like tolerated, but then quickly shut down at, at anger. It's just stopped right there and people don't dig deeper. Right. So we'll, we'll like allow anger to happen. Like we see it all the time. You see people losing their minds about getting the wrong bun at McDonald's or whatever. You know, you see these videos of people losing it and throwing the milkshake at the worker and people go, wow, that person's so angry. Uh, how could you be so angry? about a milkshake or whatever, you know what I mean? Or with your kid, you know, your kid comes to you and they're super mad and you go, okay, we don't need to be angry. Okay. You know, and it's like, there's all these things where we're like, where we just stop at the anger, but the, the real reality, as you said, anger, like there's a lot of different like analogies for it, but in my house, we say it's the bodyguard angers, the bodyguard for something more vulnerable, something that we're actually not feeling safe to access. So the anger shows up to basically stand up for us and protect us. And then if we can like soothe the anger and let it know that it's safe to step aside and show us what really wants to come through, whether that's fear or jealousy or disappointment or betrayal, whatever more really vulnerable feeling is hiding back here is not going to feel safe to come forward. Like bodyguard anger is going to stay there. It's going to be like, uh, uh-uh, if I don't feel safe, anger is going to stay in place to keep us safe. But if we can make a safe space and let anger know, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention, right? Thanking the anger. Wow. Thanks for showing up to let us know that something isn't right here. And let's figure out what that is. Okay. Thank you for doing your job. And now we're going to turn our attention to what's really going on here so that we can move forward in an effective way to make sure we don't put ourselves in a situation like this again, to where we're feeling these upset feelings. You know, that's how we do it in our house is like, we got to figure out how to get to the bottom of what's like really happening there. Um, and that's, that's why it's, so important with our own inner child or inner self, whatever we want to call it. Right. That like when our own anger shows up, I would encourage all of our listeners to use that same process. Thank your anger. Let it know that it's like doing such a good job for showing up and communicating so powerfully that something isn't right here. Mm -hmm. And then continuing that process of tuning in and going, okay, what's really vulnerable under here? What are we protecting ourselves from? What is off about this situation that's making us feel like this? And that's why these skills have to happen in increments, right? So it's just starting with that process of like tuning into the body, the communications of the body, and then 
taking it forward into acknowledging what emotion might be connected with that bodily communication, and then kind of moving into from there, a more cognitive psychological understanding of, you know, how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's all, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, you know, we kind of just scratched the surface today, but really what we're, what we really wanted for you all is to, to realize that part of trauma processing is, you know, it's this validation, it's honoring the way your body is trying to communicate and then working with it instead of against it. You're really just saying, I'm not the enemy. My body is not the enemy. My mind is not the enemy. I, with autonomy, walk forward in this journey of understanding myself, right? So let's, let's leave it there. I really appreciate everybody listening. Um, definitely make sure you're subscribing. We, you know, we try to remind you guys to review. We really want reviews. We want honest reviews. So let yes, us know your Please thinking. leave us a review. We'd yes. love to hear your thoughts. Yes. And hopefully our YouTube page will be up by the time you hear this. So if it yeah. is, <laughs> Check us out on YouTube. I'll put the link in the podcast notes and take care of yourself today. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollect itself and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited we are literally just shooting the breeze having fun you can see our full personalities and it is a blast honestly it's pretty fun so if you want to join us you can find that at patreon.com unlearned and that's it the last thing i want to tell you is i want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become and this is how we do the work